Broadcasting live from the ESPN 690 Anajar and Levine Studios. This is Action Sports Chats with Brent Martineau. Yeah, I'm actually, uh, you know, through this preseason, I'd like to try a couple different things. So on Thursday night, I'll be down on the sideline, but then there's a good chance the next week I'll go up. We'll try to mix and match and figure out, you know, who's responsible for what down on the field, up in the box, how we communicate well together. You know, that's kind of the benefit of having this extra preseason game compared to everybody else. So one more opportunity to figure out what works best for us come uh, week one. That is Press Taylor, offense coordinator for the Jacksonville Jaguars. As we've heard from him a couple of times, Mike Caldwell a couple of times, Doug Peterson a couple of times, kind of spreading the podium love in the coaching staff. And uh, Brandon Sheriff talked yesterday. Uh, we've heard from a lot of guys now a week into camp. Just started, you know, uh, what, a week ago today, I guess. Gosh, it feels like we're already like three weeks deep. Doesn't into it, though? Yeah. ETN will talk tomorrow after practice. Shaq Griffin talked today after practice. Keep an eye on one of the star. Like, we start looking at players that could be factors for, like, undrafted free agent spots and kind of sleepy picks and might get a chance to watch them play this week, Thursday, because they're young guys. Like a Juwan Winningham, a receiver. He wears number 15. He's been really good. I, I, he caught my attention in OTAs with some really nice catches. I thought everything that was thrown his way he caught. And it's uh, still happening in camp. And then a guy by the name of Benji Franklin, who people have probably seen maybe on social media. Yeah, his name's Benji Franklin. <laughs> and uh, we're actually... Have long in- white hair or no? <laughs> We're going to interview him tomorrow. But uh, he's open to my it, Just the guys... W- listen, if you're in those guys' positions, what can you do? You can make plays. Yeah, and so really if you're making plays, I mean, how do, you, how do you dismiss that? When you make play like in everyday fashion, which this guy's done... It's pretty impressive, and, and now you have to start wondering if you play. But I've been doing this for a long time to know there's been plenty of those guys, plenty of those guys. And then when they get under the lights on Thursday night, it's a different story. Some different happens, right? yeah. And so it is a different animal. So that's why you can't put too much stock. And some guys, by the way, don't perform that great in the practice field, and then, boom, they do terrific under the lights. It's, it's an inexplicable thing. And, by the way, coaches hate that. Coaches, for the most part, don't love those guys because they want to put the guy in who practices well because what do you preach as a coach, right? You practice sure. how you play and blah, 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 blah. It's you want to reward the guy who's fluffing it at practice and then yeah. suddenly you see him out on the field. And how do you motivate the rest of the guys? I always think that's an interesting right. spot for a coach, but I think there's a pl- there are plenty of players like that. It's like, let them go. That's, that's, that's going to help you win, that helps you win. And you're, you not, you're not even talking about the star who doesn't want to bother with practice. You're talking oh, no, about no, no, the no. guy trying to do the work who just isn't great unless the yeah, game's on Yeah, for some reason, he yeah. just isn't playing well in practice. We're shining like another guy. But when you put him in the game, boom, mm. it's, he hits a different level. Mm-hmm. Although, to be honest with you, that's the guy you'd rather have than the guy that practices well and then goes down a level Probably on the game, right? Yeah. So I was just I find all those things. We've covered so many camps now. I just think some of these... Uh, storylines that get built, they're a part of it. They're ingrained in camp. But you, they work out different ways. So there's just no blueprint to say, okay, that is going to definitely work. That guy's definitely going to make the team. That guy needs to be on the team. It just doesn't work that way. Each situation is different, and for whatever reason, sometimes luck probably is factored in, uh, that that it, it doesn't always materialize the same exact way. I think this game is interesting to watch on Thursday night because that back end, those 45 through 53rd roster spots, if, if that's it, or practice squad. It's a big moment for them. They get an extra game mm. this year. Those yeah. young guys, I, again, I don't anticipate. Trevor, ETN, Sheriff, 
uh, Josh Allen. I don't anticipate any of those guys. Not playing. one guy is going to play one play, you think, during the game? Well, how many guys do you, would you seriously need to play the game? I mean, and on a, on a Sunday, you get 45. Yeah. Right? So, and I don't even know how many of those actually play. I'm sure there's some that don't play in that game. So you probably need like 37. Okay. If you count special teams. I would say I'm going to max. They have a 91-man roster right now. I would say 50 guys tops play in this game, which means if you take off the top 40 guys on the roster, then nobody that you know is playing. That's fair. Twos and threes out there, yeah. Somebody's going to play. Like who? Like, who would you like? Play? Don't you want to get ETN out there? No. Just to no, get no, 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 no. The guy no, got hurt no. in the preseason last like year. He no needs way. the time on the field. I know you don't want to get him hurt again, but right. he needs to be out there playing. So maybe, maybe you, oh, I oversold it, but like Snoop Connor's going to play. Okay, that's fair because he might be the fourth guy. Third. Who's fourth? Well, you could make the case like Raquel Armstead with his True. experience, yeah, yeah. you know? Well, like, that's the guy you drafted. You've heard the name. They talked, Press Taylor talked about him today. So, like, that's a guy that'll play. But I, like, Luke Biggest Fortner name on Jag- play. You think he should? He's your yes. starting center. Why would he play? What if he's horrible? It, but you, you're like, going to throw, wait, wait, hold on. You're going to throw a rookie out there week one if he plays two series in the preseason? Well, he's going to play more than that, man. He's going to, listen, you're going to get two, let's just give them, let's just say they play first quarter against the Browns and two quarters against uh, uh, Pittsburgh. That's three quarters of action. I'm not telling you that's like a lot, but there are some teams that don't play their starters any. I mean, the Rams did that and went to the Super Bowl a couple years back. And so, yeah, I don't, I, I don't think that matters. Like Luke Fortner, I don't, he's their number one center. I'm not rolling him out in the Pro Football Hall of Fame game when they've had pads on for four days. Like, that's another element of this. They have not had a lot of work. Are they ready? And if you're going to risk people that might not be ready, well, the guy that's 80th on the roster, he's willing to take that chance because he wants to impress you. The guy that might be your starting center, I'm not sure I want to risk it if I'm the starting center. It's a good point, and I guess it ultimately depends on Doug, right? What kind of guy is he? Is he a guy that wants to do away with the preseason, or is he a guy who needs to see his guys who haven't played together, a very young team, by the way, Get them more time out there together. I don't. I, I think. It, I guess it goes coach by coach. I'm going to ask you guys this question. Let me see. Luke Farrell will play. Yeah, that's fair. I think that's that's true. And he might be a roster bubble guy, depending on how the undrafted free agents they brought in. Because the three tight ends right now that are locked are Manhurts, uh, Ingram, and uh, Arnold. And by the way, Manhurts should play. Like, are we sold on Manhurts? Like, I know he's a yeah. blocking tight end. Yeah, but. like they're sold on that aspect. Because listen, okay. as much as Dan Arnold wants to be, you're not. You're not, he's not in there to do that, and Ingram definitely isn't. Yeah, so yeah. your number one blocking tight end is Manhurts. He ain't playing. Mm-hmm. What about these offensive linemen not named Sheriff or Robinson or even Like Will uh, Richardson Taylor. will play. Will Richardson will play. Somebody has to play. No, no, I get it. I, I get it. But like, I'm just who's going to play center? Uh, it could Barch. be Casey McDermott. Right. Uh, Bar- they've actually you moved Barch a little bit to get some reps in center. So I guess that Barch will play. Probably mm-hmm. Barch will play, yeah. All right, so I'm going to give you the biggest. You tell me when uh, you hear a name that you think should play on Thursday. Don't start with Fortner. (laughs) It's okay. I don't care who you think should play, and I'll tell you you're dead wrong if it's Fortner, but that's fine. Uh, Zay Jones, Marvin Jones, Christian Kirk, Cam Robinson, Tyler Shatley. Mm -hmm. You think Shatley should play? The guy's been playing for eight years in the NFL. You don't think he knows how to take a snap? If you're going to play him at guard, yeah, play. 
I would disagree with you. Luke Fortner, you think yes, I say no. Brendan Sheriff, uh, Jawan Taylor, he's probably... If he could. Yeah, I don't think he's going to be able to. Uh, Evan Ingram, Trevor Lawrence, Travis Etienne. I'm staying with the offense here. Okay. Uh, LaVisca Chennault. Yes. Really? I don't know what you had. That's a known entity with this team. No, it's not. You had a rookie... We're not going to spend time breaking this down again. LaVisca needs to play. He's going to make the team, but he needs to look good. Treadwell should play as well. Yeah, Treadwell, Treadwell I would play. agree with you. Uh, so that the, uh, he's on there. Jamal Agnew, he's not ready. Uh, Will Richardson Jr., I agree Should with play. you. Yes. Casey McDermott, yes. Uh, ben Barch, I would say yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, Wes Morton, I don't even know who he is. Um, right. He should play. Well, <laughs> if I don't know who you are, you should play. You should play. Uh, Walker. <laughs> Walker Little. No. Great. Thank you. Uh, Dan Arnold. No. C.J. Beathard, I don't think will play, by the way. That's uh, fine. He's still I'd, coming I'd, back, too. I would honestly rather than play Luton. Can I pause you for a second? If Jawan Taylor was healthy, are you still not playing both no. Taylor and Little? You're still mm. sitting both of them? Yes. Even with this camp battle undecided. I'm definitely guys, sitting Guys, Little. what I'm getting at here is the guys that you, that you see play on TV on Thursday night, you should have to look up their name. Most, I would say 95%, you should have to look up their name. You shouldn't know. This should look like it's a strike year. Mm. <laughs> you know, I mean, and the scabs are playing. Scabs, yeah. You know, that's what it should look. And by the way, I say that with a bunch of respect for who's on the roster, but also this is an awesome opportunity for those guys. Oh, yeah. To They're get an their extra career, look. Yeah. There's only th- you don't play as much in those second and third preseason games. So your your opportunities are in that fourth one or really the third one and this one now. So it's a great opportunity. Uh, you guys. So you think Snoop Connor should play? Yeah. Where did that come from? Because I'm just going down the list. Yeah, yes. I think, yes, I, sorry. I think Snoop Connor should play. I think Jake Luton will get the start. I think J- Jake Luton should start. And Kyle Sloter will be the backup. I think Jake Luton should play a bit. Uh, yeah, probably each get a half. Because Jake Luton's playing for to be somebody else's backup. Yeah, uh, it's probably should each get a half. Um, yeah, agreed. Let's try to, I'm, uh, I'm going to go try to find a name. Uh, Kevin Austin, great opportunity for him, right? Jeff Cotton, the receiver. Yep. Uh, Lawan Winningham, like I mentioned. Great day for him, hopefully. Luke Farrell, uh, I agree play. with you. What's that? Should play. Should play, yeah. Um, I think that's about does it. Like, I think the Armsteads, I think Snoop Connor, it will tell us a lot how they feel about Armstead or Connor if one of those don't play because you still have, like, Makai Sargent and Nate Cottrell that could carry the ball and get a lot of reps. So it'll tell – I think it will give us a little bit of an insight how they're feeling about their third running back on who doesn't play in that game because, honestly, I don't – I'm not convinced Snoop Connor and Raquel Armstead are going to play. So then for your money, as we sit here on whatever, August 1st, who's going to start in the game at running back? When Jake Luton hands it off on the first play of the game, which is obvious, who's getting the ball? I actually think it, I think it will be Raquel Armstead, and I'm going to take the gander that uh, Snoop Connor doesn't play in this game. Interesting. Or if he does, he's still not the first one in. I think Armstead will be the first one in. Interesting. And Armstead, right. remember now, he's coming off the COVID stuff, and it's been a little like... I like Armstead. Oh, I do too. I'm just... He hasn't I played a lot of football. I just kind of forget that he's there. And he hasn't played a lot of football. Like, he yeah. needs the... You talk about guys that need the action. Yeah. I think he actually is a guy that needs the action. I would it's agree It's been a that. bit. So, all right, defensively, tell me if somebody pops at you guys. Roy Robertson-Harris, mm-hmm. uh, you think he's going to play? Mm-hmm. There's no chance he plays in this game. Malcolm Brown. Mm-hmm. Nah, I think he's actually banged up a little bit. Fadakasi's been banged up. Josh Allen, no. Devin Lloyd, he's out to the side. Uh, Aluakin, no. No. Uh, Trayvon Walker, no. No. Uh, Tyson Campbell, no. Rayshon Jenkins, no. Andre Sisco, no. Shaq Griffin, no. Darius Williams, no. Arden Key. Yes. 
By the way, I was really, Arden Key is like doing a lot of teaching out there. You might have seen my tweet and teaching and cheerleading, kind of fun guy. I, I don't know a lot, haven't watched him a ton. Uh, we haven't been around him a bunch, but he seems like a really cool, cool guy. I, I think he's an experienced guy, Casey. I disagree with you. I don't think Arden Key plays. But it, again, I think some of these guys, you're going to know their names. You won't probably have to look up as much, and you're going to see where they might fit in their – like you might see what the coaches are thinking. If Arden Key doesn't play, that means he's probably a big part of their rotation. If Arden Key does play, it's like, yeah, they're not seeing enough. They yeah, want to see how he factors is. in. Yeah. This game will tell a little bit of that early in camp. I'm arguing for people that I think should play, not necessarily that they will. Okay, oh, that's, that's a different conversation. That's cool, but that's all right. I I, I can um, come along with that. Devon Hamilton, you think he should play? No. Uh, Devon Hamilton's a starter. Gotsis. I mean, again, he, he doesn't need the action. You know right. what you're getting out you of that. Gotsis has been around for a while. Smooth, no way. Uh, Shaq Quarterman, I think he plays. Yes. And he's fine for a roster spot. Chad Muma plays. Really needs to play. Yes. This is interesting. Here's the deal. I don't necessarily disagree with you because this is a chance to get snaps for him because if you really set the table in September, he's not a high-volume snap guy when it comes to defensive snaps. Mm -hmm. Two problems. One right now, Devin Lloyd is out. And so you don't want to get Chad Muma hurt because he's in for Devin Lloyd. I got you. Two, he could be a high-quality, like, front-line special teamer potentially. And I, those guys really try to secure their special teams guys, their core four type of guys, and he could be that. And so I think they don't maybe want to run. Again, they are scared out of their mind of injuries. Like, you understand that, right? Coaches are yeah. scared out of their mind I do. of injuries. I always thought the prevailing theory on that, though, was when you play to, to, to try and guard against the injury, it's when guys get hurt. Well, you guard against the injury by not playing them. I guess that's a fair point, too. I mean, Foles didn't play. Foles played that one series and then got hurt in the first game of the season. Well, and you can't. I mean, listen, DJ Chark, I mean, there's Allen Robinson. But the point is, I think the, sh the league has shifted one to say we're playing minimally in preseason games anyway. Yeah. Because it is my, my job is to get guys healthy by September 11th when we kick off the season. And then I've got to deal with whatever comes my way. Yeah. You know? Well, so the health is more important than game reps. Like, you have to start there. That's fact. Like, that is fact for every team now. They just... You can love it. You can have that old Tom Coughlin style of I want to play and blah, 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 blah. It doesn't even – he wouldn't because they know getting to the season is so important. It always has been important. But it feels like it's a it's – whether it's a new wave of thinking, they'd rather sacrifice game reps. Like, I'm not sure Devin Lloyd will play in the preseason because I think That's it's – fine. Yeah, but, but is it – he's never played in the NFL. And so his first snap could come on September 11th. That doesn't seem very logical, right? It certainly slows that learning curve. I don't, yeah. I don't love it, but if that's what we're signing up for. But I think, like Utah, I think it translates. I want Chad Muma to play because I don't know if Wyoming translates. Mm. Yeah, Let true. him play two series. If he looks complete, hopefully he looks like they think, and then, okay, good, we wipe our hands of it and we move on. But if he... Like, there's a chance it's fast. But if, if he's completely clueless, they'll see that before they get to the uh, preseason game. Yeah, I don't want to say clueless because I know he's not, but, like, it's different. I'm like, gonna give you it depends the, on who the Raiders play. I'm going to give you, I think, the biggest name guy on this roster that plays on Thursday night, and I'm even taking a shot in the dark on this. Trey Herndon. No. That was close. <laughs> you haven't even heard the name yet. Caleb on Chason. Mm. Yeah, I think you're right. I don't know if he plays. I don't know how they feel about him. It's a new regime. Somebody's somebody's got to play defensive and end. Somebody's got to play. And and if Arden like, Key doesn't and the others don't, he's got to. Like I don't think Arden Key's going to play. 
So I do think that puts a guy like Case on. Like, and I don't even think he's really battling for his the 53. Might be. I don't believe that to be the case. I don't think they're going to give up on the body, the athlete, the pick, uh, a first-round pick a couple years ago. But I do wonder if they need to see him in game action, see if he's taking a step, have him get the reps, have him maybe even get a little confidence going breeding into this month of August. He might be the biggest name guy that I would sign up for uh, for the Jacksonville Jaguars playing on Thursday night. And I'm not convinced of it. Muma, you could talk me into it, but I doubt it because I think I talked you guys out of it. And <laughs> not me. Maybe, like, I don't know if Ben Barch is considered a big name, but he might be in that fold as well. And uh, we yeah, named Fortner. one other guy. It's not, Fortner is not playing in this game, I'm telling you. Yes, he is. He won't play. I'll bet you. What are you betting? I don't know. Nah. I've already given him. Get the bet bucket out. I got what is it? <laughs> the bet bucket's right in front of you. I'm already giving him a $100 gift card, so don't throw money at him. Fine. I give you, I'll, I'll, the bet bucket is just a simple, I give you 20 bucks. Uh, you have to uh, give me one of your Trey Lance cards. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, there we go. I don't care which one. We should, we should make the penalty something stupid he's got to do the next time he's begging some important person for an autograph. We already took the deal, though. Yeah, deal's done. That's fine. I get a Trey Lance card where I'm not even that high on, but whatever. Um, Cape it to the back of the keyboard for you. Anyway, I think so. To answer the question I started with uh, after I read down the entire damn roster of the Jacksonville Jaguars, I think Thursday night the biggest name we could see out there is a guy like Caleb on Chase on. But you will have to use your program and yeah. your depth chart. Sounds like it. To look up who these guys are like, what number is that? Who is that? And, and that's going to be that nature of a game. I think uh, for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, you... I can't wait till Fortner's out there, bro. I'm <laughs> cleaning up on you people. 120 bucks. That's gonna be lit. Uh, we will. Uh, don't, when... don't let it, don't let him go out there. Because when they show the first play, if I see old Fortner in the huddle, I'm gonna lose it, bro. I'm gonna call you on the phone. Yeah, Over I was going to say, at least we know Casey won't spike the ball on anybody. He'll yeah. be in the press box, and I'm going to FaceTime you and just laugh. <laughs> well, we know this. <laughs> just laugh. We know this. If Casey not. feels like he's getting something right, yeah. he'll go to extremes, like make an open about it. <laughs> so let's send you to break with this special open, if you missed the early part of the show, that Casey and his love affair with former Jags kicker Matthew Wright made. <laughs> it's very romantic. Here on a Monday. And we'll be right back after you hear this. Don't go anywhere, because this thing is fascinating. Last week on Action Sports Jacks. Why is it so hard to find a kicker? Why did they get rid of Matthew Wright? Because he can't kick it to the end zone, Casey. Dude, he made field goals. Your kicker should be able to kick it to the end zone. I I don't know. Field goals or touchbacks. Give me the field goals. We need you to make one kick. Be very good at it. No, we need you to kick touchbacks, actually. And touchbacks. And touchbacks. Because we had a kicker that can make field goals. Oh, gosh. Stop looking Matthew Wright in the freaking pride of the Jaguars, all right? (laughs) No, but you're saying they can't find one. They had one. They cut him. The kicking has gotten so bad in Jacksonville. New products were invented just to save the media from getting domed. Well, all new from Whammo. It's the head mitts. The head mitts. But even with the risk of concussion, skull fracture, or worse, Brent Martineau would not give up. It's embarrassing to a degree if your kicker in the NFL can't hit the goal line, but a kid at Bishop Kenny can't. You know what else is embarrassing? Four wins in two years. Even better point. And one of them came strictly off. No, two of them came off his foot because you beat the Bills and didn't score. This kick is on the way. Miami with the game winner. To win it. It's away. 
Jacksonville wins and ends the second longest losing streak in NFL history. And there was little doubt on this one. No, I'm just being real. Like, that's a problem. Like, if you can't get a touchback, like, he could occasionally, but really not. Like, why? Half of the like, wins. That's, that's obviously a situation they didn't want, right? They, they, they valued the touchback. Yeah, now they got the head mitt having to hang out to the media. That's the only option they have to survive training camp with kickers just doming people. And as the week turned to the weekend, the Twitter video we needed. Right. Maybe what you couldn't hear there was the ball hitting the ground on Matthew Wright's social media after the best touchbacks I've ever seen. God, I, I hope I they would, bring him the back. And the first kick of the season in Washington mm-hmm. against the commanders. Brent's in the press box that probably sucks because Dan Snyder didn't pay good money for it. And you might fall down. Yeah, you might fall, but old Matty Ice <laughs> kicks a touchback, and then I hope he just looks up at the press box and double birds you. You got a better shot of Urban Meyer being see. your starting Listen. kicker than you do this kid again. I want him to double bird you. And now, on a Monday, we asked Brent the question everyone wants to know. Will he give the Jacksonville Jaguars final kicking rows to Matthew Wright. Find out right now on Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Tell me that you love me. Update. You did not yeah. give the Tell me that I take your breath away. Hey. Well, he, he taught me uh, personally uh, that you don't have to uh, sacrifice what you want to say uh, as a man. Uh, from what you are invited to say as an athlete. Mm. Um, There's room for both in your life, and uh, you should uh, express yourself in both ways, uh, your profession and then uh, what you believe in and what is important to you as a human being and as a citizen. Those things uh, don't don't have have to uh, not be able to coexist. Hi, Casey. Who was that? Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Oh, that was Kareem. Really one of, like, two or three people who truly understands what uh, Bill Russell went through, huh? Bill Russell, I feel like you could make the case, let me make sure I want to say this, most underappreciated athlete. Of all time. You can't really call him underrated, but underappreciated for sure. I actually think part of it has to do with the city he played in and the sport he was playing at the time. But I agree with you. Underappreciated. And, and by the way, I say this because I'm 45 years old. I didn't watch Bill Russell play. Mm-hmm. But I love that era of sports. I, I've always said this. If I go back in an era of sports, it would have been the 40s through the 60s, and I'm primarily from baseball. I want to watch Joe DiMaggio and Ted Williams and 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 uh, Maris, Stan Musial and Maris and, and Bob Gibson especially. I'd love to have watched Bob Gibson pitch, man. I think it would be so cool. And by the way, you can keep going on and on, pick your favorite guy. And I, I would like. I just thought that era of baseball, and because it was so popular mm. at the time, that people loved it. Yeah, like it, the NFL didn't rival. Major League Baseball. Major League Baseball was it. If anything, was rivaled by boxing and horse racing at that time, okay? <laughs> so I didn't think about that. Horse racing. I, I think I would just I always say that. Well, in that same 
time period. I grew up watching the Celtics play every night. That's why I'm such a big Larry Bird fan. But that was the 60s. That was the Celtics. That was Havlicek and Kuzi and Sam Jones and, of course, Bill Russell. And uh, over the years, I, I, I was friendly with Sam Jones, who was an NBA great and lived down here in, in St. John's County uh, in the Jacksonville area before he just passed a few months ago. And I would ask, like, who's the best player of all time? I'd ask him that. And, of course, everybody would say Jordan and stuff. And he would always say Bill Russell. Mm. It's like he never lost. Yeah. Like he never lost. And so I do think then you add the civil rights movement and his impact on you – know, we celebrate Muhammad Ali and, and, and really celebrate, as we should. But Bill Russell doesn't feel like he gets some of the love that he deserves from an off-the-court standpoint. And I really don't know if he gets the love from an on-the-court standpoint. Yeah, I think in both and the of kind them of winner he was. Yeah, I'm so underappreciated, I think, is the perfect way to say it. And then you, you talk about the conversation around greatest of all time, and you hear names like Jordan and Chamberlain and Abdul-Jabbar, and, like, here's a guy in Bill Russell where they changed the rules of the game multiple times because this guy was just so, that dominant. That dominant. To me, if you're changing the rules of the game like they did for Bill Russell, like they did for Wilt Chamberlain, it's another tier of greatest of all time conversation than it would be for just a guy who's got great stats based on the rules that are already in existence. Yeah, I do think when you start changing rules for people, you know, and obviously uh, Wilt Chamberlain was a big kind of influence in there, too, in the basketball world. Uh, but, you know, we can even go really close to home and say Bob Hayes in football who basically uh, created the zone defense, you know. I think uh, I think that that's pretty lofty status of yeah. how you impacted the game. And again, I think a lot, I think people who genuinely talk NBA, genuinely know NBA um, way more than I do too and, and uh, cover it on a daily basis or covered it over the decades, I think they really do appreciate Bill Russell and know his greatness. I just don't know if we as a general public do. And we know... The biggest names in sports, if you asked, I go always my grocery store test, and if you wanted to roll off 10 names in basketball history at the grocery store, anybody could probably name 10 names, but I don't think they would name Bill Russell. You're never getting a Bill Russell on that questionnaire. And I don't care if you're talking to a guy who's 70 or 80 years old. You're still not getting a Bill Russell when you ask him, name 10, guy, 10 guys who have played in the NBA. Yeah. And so that's, I, again, I don't know it. Because I didn't watch it in person. I just read about it and hear about it. Uh, but I think Bill Russell, and I'll say this. I, I said this last night in the sports office, uh, not on TV necessarily. Uh, I think we always say, like, uh, sad news uh, that he passed. Certainly is sad that he passed away. But what a life. I oh mean, what God. a life. Oh, I mean, yeah. uh, you know, to accomplish what he accomplished in his life, again, on and off the court and live the way he did, this gentle giant. You hear these great stories about him. Um, at 88 years old, I mean, heck of a life for, for Bill Russell. I think at some point we, we, we have this sadness a lot when people pass, as we should. But I think also we flip it real quick to this, like, celebration. And I think he's uh, in the celebratory mode of, man, what a life, what an impact. Sure, sure. I, I think part of the underappreciation also comes from the fact that he wasn't the biggest point scorer, not even during his day. And so uh, the same, I think, argument goes for someone like a home run hitter or in, in football, the quarterback throwing touchdowns or even the running back running for touchdowns, certainly the wide receiver catching touchdowns. Those are the metrics that I think make you appreciated. You look at a guy like Bill Russell 
averaging 22 and a half rebounds for his career. Never averaged in a single season less than 18 and a half rebounds. It's insanity. And by the way, it's not just about him being a tall guy when he's playing with short guys. He passed the ball well. Uh, he averaged over almost four and a half assists throughout his career. It's just amazing. 11 NBA championships uh, in 13 seasons. He's got the college championship accolades. Uh, everything. Everything he touched. Everything he touched. I mean, it was, it's absolutely an amazing story. He's, he's certainly somebody that you feel like, uh, I think of kids. Let's say, like my kids are teenagers. And that next generation even coming up. Will we forget about some of the great athletes? I think, like, people our age appreciate, even though we never saw Bill Russell, uh, even though we never probably saw Bob Gibson play and the likes, that, that generation that was just before when we were able to watch, yeah. I think we have this deep appreciation for that generation. I don't know if that exists today uh, with, let's just say, the teenagers. Well, I mean, they like Kobe. They like Jordan. I, I think it does to a certain so degree. So it probably does. So will some of these big figures that now will pass, like a Bill Russell, if it, like, honestly, I don't know if even my kid who loves sports has a, would appreciate enough about Bill Russell. Yeah, too much time passed. Um, or Google or see, um, when, see what happens a lot of times. This happened to me a lot. Like, I didn't know much Bill Russell. I didn't know Havlicek. I didn't know Sam Jones. Uh, and when I finally met Sam Jones, I was like, I had never even seen Sam Jones play, but I knew everything about him because I'd watched Larry Bird play every night. And so yeah. they'd show the graphics of best in Celtics history because Bird was passing a lot of these people or on the list with a lot of these people. And Sam Jones' name would come up every single time. And of course, Bill Russell's name was high on that list and Tommy Heinsohn and all these greats. Like, that's how I knew them. And so I kind of think in today's world, uh, like people know some greats of yesteryear for kids because they see Steph Curry passing them on lists. That makes a lot of sense. You know what I mean? They'll see Shohei Otani passing them on lists or Trout, and so they'll be like, oh, who is that guy? They'll they'll almost have this familiarity with even two generations before them because of of the names that are now associated with them. That's why records are still important, I think, to pass down to generation, generation, how good other people were. I also think you've got... Uh, the young generation appreciating their stars and their stars giving, you know, shine and flowers to the, the ballers generation prior to that. So where young kids today have never seen Michael Jordan play and are probably close to 15 to 20 years removed from the last time he was relevant on the court, they're certainly hearing guys like Steph Curry, LeBron James talk about those guys. So think about it this way. What we're talking about right now, and we've gone from Bill Russell and, and the passing and his greatness and his underrated nature to generational talent and, and how it gets passed down. And you think about it from, like, a team that you grew up watching, the New York Jets, right? Joe Namath is always front and center. To this day. Like, you didn't watch Joe Namath. No. But right. He was, like, the lone star of the franchise. Yeah. So, you know, well, that's the significance of this week. Tony Baselli is going into the Hall of Fame. Oh, yeah. This is a very young franchise here in Jacksonville. So this conversation, actually, that we're having about others now becomes a little bit more of a conversation here in Jacksonville. The Jaguars are going nowhere. You know, the Jaguars, in another 25 years, in my opinion, will, will or 23 years, whatever, to celebrate their 50th anniversary in Jacksonville. Certainly. Well, now so. you've had players like Baselli that you like my kids will now tell their kids about uh, multi right? generational yeah Fred Taylors and and the McCardells and and the Jimmy Smiths and the Mark Burnells like <laughs> mm. well, they'll tell them about that year 
I was being serious. Yeah, there's some significance yeah. there because that will be the first experience like my kids and, yeah, and all these the kids playoffs. in town sure. that will remember. I mean, they will remember Blake Bortles from their childhood 20 years from now. They will always celebrate him, probably even more than the older folks in town. Bortles to Koyak, baby. And, <laughs> and Calais Campbell. And, the, and they'll remember the Ramsey saga. And they'll remember all these guys. Like, they will remember those folks. Like, and, and, again, I say this a lot about the Jags. That was the only thing they could really remember outside of negativity in their, like, my kid's comp- whole childhood. I mean, Ty, is now, Ty and Kaylee are 17. And we moved here when they were three or two and a half. And they've had that team to celebrate. No so they weren't here for the deep run at the end of, what was it, 07, 08? 07, no, like we just missed 07. Uh, we came in 08. And so Ty and Kaylee, who are now like big Jags fans, they have had one winning season in their lifetime of being Man, a Jags fan. That's, un- that's unfortunate. It's unfortunate, but I'll also say this. It was vital that they had the one. Like, it was vital. For fandom, yeah, yes. sure. Oh, absolutely. Because you have to have something oh, to you grab start, onto. You start getting that wandering eye. Or... Or uh, that generation, which I think many people did, will have Patrick Mahomes jerseys and Brady mm, jerseys and, and every other jersey. Find someone to be a fan of. So it, it's it's a it's a fascinating look, and I think Jacksonville's really cool because it's like we're right in the middle of it. But this week really is punctuated by it. Like this week is that important in the history of the Jacksonville Jaguars, in a sense. I got a friend who uh, does documentaries, and he uh, just finished a documentary. I think is a really interesting concept about fandom, where he basically says the premise. We inherit these teams mostly from our parents and a lot of cases from our dad. But whoever we were watching as a kid is often whoever the parents were watching. And then we feel this uh, this need to stick with them. We can't leave them like the free agents leave them. It was very interesting to see a, a lot of these interviews he had for the movie of these guys talking about how their franchises have been bad over the years. But they can't bring themselves to leave the franchise like the players do. Well, I think that's a fascinating point, and are we seeing a change? If he does this documentary in 25 years, mm-hmm. will we have seen a flip on that? I, First I of think all, we have, yeah. I grew up like in the Red Sox, the Miami Dolphins, the Celtics, and, well, let's just call it the Bruins, um, even though it wasn't like a diehard Bruins. Dolphins because they were winners? Uh, Dolphins because the Patriots Marino were guy? losers. Okay, fair enough. Okay, so yeah. I'm actually the Jacksonville kid, so I went and found another team. Yeah. Now, it was a little different because it was blacked out in New England because that was the blackout days, so they didn't sell out. So I saw the Miami Dolphins play all the time because they would show another AFC East team. Right. And Marino was awesome, and I was a kid at seven years old the when they went to that's the Super Bowl and blah, blah, blah. So basically, Marino was my Mahomes because my team stunk. Yeah. Well, that happened around here quite a bit, right? Yeah, sure. If so, your kids were a little bit younger living here, they would have been living through the blackout era as well. Yeah, and so I think what was interesting about that, what I'm about to get to is my kids don't like any of those teams that I just mentioned. Like, I didn't hand that down. In fact, I just told them they can't be Yankees fans or you're going to your room. And so, so they picked different teams. You? Did, you not, did, you not, did you not push the Red Sox or the no. Celtics on them? Or no. did you try and they just well, rejected Well, by it? that time, I'd lost the Celtics. The Dolphins, I'm, also, I'm a different animal because when I got in the business, I really didn't. Other than the Red Sox, I don't root for Sorry anybody. Fan, I'm like a bad yeah. fan, okay? So Horrible. I guess I'm probably not a great example in this story. What I'm really getting at is in today's day, I believe... I believe kids are more fans of individuals rather than teams. And so if he does that documentary in 25 years, will he find that Ty loves LeBron James and loved him when he was in Cleveland, Miami, and now the Lakers? Yeah, he might. That's an interesting point. There's certainly more movement now than there ever was. Because if, But Ty, I will say, like, again, I'm just using my example because it's right at home, but Ty likes K- 
Casey's Rays. He's a big Rays. Watches the Rays every day. Love this kid. Loves the Rays. He actually likes the Lightning, and he's very front-runnery on the Lightning because he, he just knows that they've been good And as you watch hockey. Oh, home state team. That's fine. Jags. He's all Jags. Uh, and am I missing a sport? Uh, basketball. Well, basketball is the one where he doesn't really have. Like, basketball is more like LeBron. I think in his childhood, he's been more LeBron. So he's kind of moved around. And out of all the sports, it's way easier to be a fan of a person in basketball yeah. than another sport where you kind of need the team to but, play. But if you're level. like... He's a Gators fan, though, right? Yeah, but he's also like a Notre Dame fan. So he's not... Like, he's probably more Notre Dame, to be honest with you, now as he's gotten older than he's, he is Gators. Yeah. But, but think about this. The Gators have not been good. They have not. You know? So he kind of... that one year. And, and we have some Notre Dame influence, so like I'm Steph's side. And so I think Notre Dame has been pretty good. They've been relevant, more relevant probably than the Gators in the last, what, six, seven years. Yeah. So They've been high. I think some of that all, it's just wild to me. I think it is a crazy psychology of how it, it does happen. But part of it is being good. Yeah, I just know every offseason going into it, I look at my New York Jets and I'm like, well, you wasted my time again. <laughs> but I can't leave. I can't break up. Well, but you want that. You want to be pissed at something. Well, me. That's why I play personally. golf so I can throw a club. <laughs> By the way, my gap wedge is broken. It snow snapped it a couple Whoops. of weeks ago. Nice. Well Gotta go get that fixed. I usually break a club of summer. That's good. Hey, by the way, um, back to the Trey Mancini trade. It, it turns out it's a three-way trade with the Rays. Oh, really? The Rays are getting Jose Siri, another outfielder that's hitting under 200. Well, so they'd probably the better off with Jose them. Canseco. <laughs> They've had him. They get him back. <laughs> Canseco played for the Rays? Yes. Devil Rays. He must have played for like 12 teams I before it was done. That. Yeah. Yeah, Canseco was hitting did he tanks make, in the trunk. Did the Rays make the book? <laughs> or was the book written prior to? I don't know. That I don't know. Uh, we'll be back. Put a bow in the show. Action Sports Shacks OT coming up as well right after this from 6 until 7 o'clock with Casey Kurtz and Brian Middleton. We'll be right back on ESPN 690. I think a real man does not use his position of power to intimidate anybody else. And I think it's the opportunity for him to reject that. I think it's the opportunity for him to accept some form of responsibility for this. And I think it's an opportunity for him to lead in this horrific moment that he was in some way associated with, whether you believe it or not. And if you're a real man, that's what you do. Sounds like uh, Dan Orlovsky from ESPN talking about the Sean Watson situation. You know, I've been, I'm like catching up on emails from the day, which I'm usually a pretty good like email guy to keep up with. I'm awful. But like I'm on it all the time just checking. Like you can shoot me an email like now and I'll have it either deleted or at least read. Mm -hmm. uh, probably not responded to maybe in two minutes. Well, today with all the high school media day, didn't have it. Good news today though. I got some, I got, I've got some happy news around like this oh. six o'clock. What do we got? Because... We got some people signed up for the Dream 18 golf tournament. Oh, Don't look forget. at that. Action Sports Jacks, Dream18.com. We're going to sell out of it. Name we'll do on. it. Pretty confident. Nice. Uh, Southampton on September 19th. Uh, Southampton, unbelievable shape. Played nine holes yesterday with Ty Guy, and it's fantastic over there. So uh, it's coming up September 19th. Be a part of it. Uh, the Dream 18 2022 uh, benefits uh, North Florida Junior Golf Foundation and St. Michael Soldiers. Action Sports Jacks, Dream18.com. What you got? I wanted to ask you if you've been checking out this show that I just started watching on HBO. I know not uh, everybody has HBO, but if you, if you got your streamers and you're looking at them and you're like, which one should I keep? Let me just tell you, HBO almost never misses, right? So there's this new show on there called The Rehearsal. Have you heard of this yet? 
I haven't. It's the most bizarre piece of TV programming I've ever seen. The really? Guy, the guy basically, this guy Nathan, will find someone who's got a big thing coming up, whether it's a conversation someone's got to have with someone or a question someone's got to ask, or maybe they want to have a kid, and he'll hire all these actors and build replicas of locations in these warehouses so they can rehearse over and over and over again. So episode one, no spoilers, there's a guy who needs to admit to his friend that he lied about his educational background. So this guy, Nathan, builds the bar they're going to have the conversation in in a warehouse, like a complete, exact replica down to, like, what's on the walls. Then he has, like, actors in there just pretending to be regular people so they can get this guy used to the whole setup. And it's just a fascinating walk down a few different paths. Number one, this host, Nathan, definitely, I, I don't know what you call it, someone who knows IDDs better than me is better able to define it, but he's definitely on the spectrum in some way where he's, you know, he's awkward, he avoids the eye contact and all that stuff, but he is so, so unique with the flowcharts he does. He does these weird 18-page flowcharts for these conversations. I'm just telling you, if, if you're looking for a new show to check out, it's not necessarily like a comedy, although there are funny parts. It's just a bizarre show. And we're fascinated. We're three episodes in. I can't get enough of it. All right. Uh, rehearsal. The rehearsal. The yeah, rehearsal. check the trailer. It's just, it's weird TV, but it's worth checking out. Maybe one of these bets, like I'll, if I lose to Casey, I'll watch, watch Apple TV Plus. Oh, okay. It's a every, whole different thing. Like, I know it's a totally different thing, but at least this gets you started. All right? Oh, you're going to buy it for me. Yeah. Like, I'll pay for your I subscription don't. if I lose a bet. Like, That's that not could a bad be deal, Casey. It's better than 20 bucks. No, it is not. I would rather have the cash. Whatever you're going to pay per month, I'll take the cash. Maybe Casey hasn't been married long enough. Both of you know how much I get paid. I will take the cash. Why are you going to take the cash just so you can go, like, buy another Trey Lance card? Yeah, exactly. Like, no, not not now. Brent, times are tough. Oh, all right. Uh, you were just telling us how tough times are. Tough times. I listen to my hell of a summer, man. Yeah. Credit card bill is yeah. something. I don't know uh, Apple Plus, Max, minus. <laughs> all right. Uh, we will uh, keep working then, I guess, and you will too. Action Sports Shacks OT so. coming up next. Uh, Casey Kurtz, Brian Middleton. Guys, you got it tomorrow. I'll be on the road to Canton, Ohio, then uh, join you from Canton, Ohio, the rest of the week uh, for Tony Baselli and Leroy Butler Week. A big week coming up in Jacksonville. For Aaron Schachter, Casey Kurtz, I'm Brent Martin. Have a good rest of your day. We'll see you on TV tonight. And don't forget, first and 10 training camp, 11 15 on CBS 47 and Fox 30.